Hello listeners, this is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon and this is a PSG Small Talk for Saturday, May 4th, 2019. On today's show, I will spend most of the time talking about what I think is wrong with uh, Paris Saint-Germain right now. They have won only one of their last seven matches. It has been one of the worst, I would probably say the worst stretch in the QSI era. They just finished a 1-1 draw against Nice today at the Parc des Princes, a game that they simultaneously should have won and should have lost all at the same time. A lot of mischances, a lot of opportunities, but once again, offensively, they were just lacking, and I will talk about a bunch of that as we go. And the one I recorded, the bulk of this was recorded on, uh, what would it have been? It would have been Tuesday or Wednesday. I just kind of go stream of consciousness and talk about what I think is wrong, what I, you know, how I've seen the last couple years unfold and try to lay it out as best I can. But I'm going to spend at least the first part of this just talking about Nice. And I, I I think obviously drawing is better than losing. Uh, Would I say that this was a step back in the right direction? A little bit. Um, Defensively, they were not as putrid, although there were some real moments of putridity here that uh, shouldn't go un uh, shouldn't go unmentioned. I mean, the the one goal that they gave up was pretty lousy um, transition defending, and part of this is just PSG is in a league that over the last few years has gotten a lot more athletic, a lot more physical, and actually a lot better coached. Like, you know, we can, and I go into this a little bit in the later part of this, but we talk about how good those teams were at the early parts of QSI. League Gun was very different at that time in that the, just the level of coaching wasn't there. The ability to sort of, you know, get a team out there with a plan that they could exploit it just wasn't, it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And every team that PSG is running into have a winning strategy. And it's not really that complicated, but they have the athletes and the physicality and the ability to be compact defensively, to cut off the midfield, to choke away some of those passes, force the ball out wide. And right now, if Edinson Cavani is this Edinson Cavani, there's no reason to keep him around. I mean, this is, he looks like a shell of himself. And every every offensive possession, every forward attack, it just seems like he's lost. Like, he, they, they're not looking for him to make runs. He doesn't really make runs. He's trying to play off the shoulder, but he's not fast enough to get, you know, to stretch the defense. So you can't really play long balls to him. He's not going to give you any runs off the wing. He's not going to get up in the air and be physical at the, at the uh, apex of the ball and attack it. He's not doing any of that stuff. And he had his opportunities in this game, and his first touches were just dreadful. Twice he had good, you know, decent, good to decent chances to score goals, and he couldn't. And then at the end of the game, when they call the penalty in the box, which I think was a penalty, some will say Neymar handballed it, but I I think that's something you get away with if your hands are at your side and you knee it into your arm. Like I don't, it didn't hit his hand, it didn't hit his forearm, it hit him in the bicep. 
I don't think that's a handball. Again, handball is so subjective, but I don't see that as a handball. I never have. I think that if it's above your, I think if it's above your, this is just my interpretation of it. I think if it's above your elbow, there has to, it has to be so blatant to call it. Like if it accidentally hits your hand in the box, that's a handball to me. But if it accidentally like ricochets or gets led onto your forearm, to me, that's just not a handball in the box. I'm sorry. So they get to that. And Cavani sends it right at Benitez. Like, because Neymar had to come off because he was injured in the play, so he couldn't take the penalty for some reason. And Cavani just chokes. You know, sorry. Just straight out chokes in that situation. And what is frustrating is you want to see Edinson Cavani succeed. I want to see him succeed. I have nothing against Edinson Cavani. I know there have been people in the past that have that have criticized him for various things here. But, you know, I'm not one of those people that, that you know, thinks that he hasn't been anything but a great soldier and a great person to have at this club. But if he doesn't turn this around, like, in the next three games and show that he can contribute, is there really a good reason to keep him that isn't monetary? Isn't a monetary reason? Like, you, I, at this point, I don't think you can make the argument that he should be at the club next year. And I think if you're being honest with yourself, as big of a legend as he is with this club, and as good as he was two, three years ago when he was one of the best strikers in the world. The muscle injuries and, quite frankly, his playing style of always running around and always being active has worn him down. He's gotten old very quickly. And this is a game where he just got old very quickly. And he's, I think it's it's his time to go. And I appreciate all he's done, but you have to, you have to be able to look at all this dispassionately. And the same thing goes for Danny Alves at this point. Like... I understand he's Neymar's friend. I, I get all that. And I realize that you do that since pretty much the only offensive spark that entire game came from Neymar, that making him upset isn't the best thing to do. And I think it would upset him as it would anybody if you got rid of their friend. But I also think that Neymar is a business person. And, he under, and I think he has to understand that Danny Alves just doesn't have what you know what he needs to have like he's just if you play him strictly as a wing player an attacking wing player you know who can who can come off the bench and play that position maybe you can get away with it but when he's your right back just you can't get away with that and it was clear in this game like they just couldn't get away with it and that's how they got that's how he's got their goal you can't you can't keep sticking him out there. And he plays every single week. And it's like, this is a 35, 36-year-old man coming off of knee surgery playing every single week. And I, I get Munier's been hurt, but quite frankly, Dagba should be playing there. And if you're going to get a look at Dagba to see how he can eventually progress for you, I don't see a reason to not play him. He's young. He's 19 years old. Let him play every game. 
who cares? He's young. That's why you have the young players to be able to go out there and give you minutes. And Danny Alves, just having him play every game is just foolish at this point. Like, I understand he thinks he can play every game, but he just can't. I mean, besides that, Di Maria was fine. He could have been better, but he was fine. This was one of Paredes' better games. He got taken out in the second half, but I thought he was fine. And I do think he's he needs a, another year to sort of figure out exactly what he can be. But I think what you're you're seeing right now is he can be a very good player in a very specific system against very specific kinds of teams. He's not what you'd call, I think, an everyday, every you know, an everyday, every down player. In the NFL, you have defensive linemen that can play all three to four downs and you have defensive ends that can only pass rush or can only be in there during running downs because they have limitations in other areas and right now Paredes looks more like a player like that where he can play certain games he can't play against other teams he can play certain teams not others so three more games I think everyone wants the season to be over at this point and with I and right now I don't know I, it's hard to read the situation I don't know if Tomas Tuchel's job is on the line here I just I don't know I, it's a tough position to be in because PSG do have the obvious replacement in Jose Mourinho and before people go insane I may not agree with that but he would be the logical person to bring in. Like, you're not going with a Rafa Benitez or a... You're not going with... You know, if Rafa Benitez would be your second choice in this case, I don't think he would be a good second choice. Um, like, yeah, well, you've done the young, energetic coach experiments with Emery and now Tuchel. So if you were to get rid of Tomas Tuchel, and I'm not saying they will... But if they're in that situation, it's going to be Jose Mourinho. It ain't going to be anybody else. So this, these three games are going to be interesting in the sense of, does it get so bad that the Qataris have no choice? Or can Tuchel show, like he did today, a better version of PSG, a team that looked at least more competent than it did against Lille and Montpellier and Nantes and Rennes? This, to me, at least was a better version of that. So maybe there, he's taking a step in the right direction. But again, frustration continues. So um, I will now be sending you to the second part of this, which is me sort of talking a lot more big picture about Paris Saint-Germain and where I think they're going wrong and not really offering that many concrete solutions but at least getting the ball rolling on some discussion so hope you enjoy okay so this isn't going to be so much a podcast as much as a sort of stream of conscious uh my ramblings as to why what is happening is happening and psg at the moment have only won one of their last six matches and for a club that spends as much money as they do and has as much talent as they have, that is patently unacceptable. 
and nobody should accept that for really any circumstance. It's not one of it's not a situation where you can say, "Oh, they're learning, they're growing, they're developing." This isn't, you know, this isn't a three, you know, three-win team in the NFL playing the next season getting to six wins. No, this is a team that is supposed to be competing for the top-level prizes, and right now they're just not very good. Like you know, you can sugarcoat it any way you want. They're just not a good football team. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And some of it is just bad current form. Teams do go through these kind of things. PSG really shouldn't be going through it in a in league gun because it's just, it's not. They should be able to win. If we're playing a six-game stretch, they should be able to win at least four of those games per any given six-game sample size. Four, one, and one. To be one... and To be one win, four losses, and one draw, or something like that, or one win... Or one win, five losses, and, and a draw, whatever the, whatever the number is, that's, again, it's just not acceptable. And... I kind of just want to go into what I think. It's not again. This isn't really a formal small talk. It's just sort of me, not venting even, but just stream of conscience, figuring out what I kind of feel is wrong as I drive home from work. I think the first there, there's there are let's put it this way: there are micro problems, and then there are macro problems. There are small picture problems, and then there are big picture problems. Both of these things can exist at the same time. They don't contradict each other. They complement each other or they live alongside of each other. It's not just sort of, oh, this is what's wrong and that's what's wrong. No, it's a lot of different things, both big and small. I'm going to start with the small kind of intermediate or sort of immediate kind of problems. First of all, Basically, since the month of January, this team has yet to be... This team just cannot field a consistent lineup on a regular basis. And part of what made Paris Saint-Germain great in the early years of QSI was that they brought in a good core of about 11 to 12 players who basically played all the time and played in the same positions all the time and were able to develop alongside of each other at the same time. You know, pretty much without fail, your midfield in the in the mid-2010s, 13, 14, 15, was going to be Mata, Verratti, and Matuidi. Pretty much. There really wasn't going to be much change. It was going to be Zlatan, Cavani, and insert other winger, whether that be Lucas Mora or Angel Di Maria. But essentially, in all big, important matches, PSG were going to basically be the same. There wasn't, you know, a variation on what they were going to put out there. And when you have a lineup that can consistently play together, it gives you a continuity. And PSG, towards the middle of this season, were starting to develop that. Again, it's been mired in all of this sort of recent failure, but they really had a good, solid 11 that were out there and performing consistently. But then Neymar gets hurt, Cavani gets hurt, 
Verratti gets hurt and he has to play through injuries. Then you lose Tomas Meunier for multiple games. You lose Thiago Silva for games. Marquinhos gets hurt. Just too many injuries for this team to overcome. And they just, this year, as opposed to some other years where they were able to get away with it because of the depth, and yeah, PSG have had years where they've had a lot of injuries, but because they had depth behind it, were sort of able to survive in league gun. They can't do that this year. They don't have Pastore on the bench. They don't have, you know, they don't have Adrian Rabio for you know, whatever the reasons for that are, I mean, we're not going to litigate it anymore. We've litigated the thing to death. And we can talk about, well, they should be beating Montpellier. Yeah, probably. But again, there's just, the injuries are a factor. And it would be ridiculous to sort of say, well, they don't mean anything. Well, of course they do. It shouldn't affect the attitude of the players on the field. And let me just be clear, I did not watch this game today. I was at work, but I, you know, it, it, it didn't seem like they were that terrible in the sense of, oh my God, they're just not trying. But the injuries and being, having, able, having to be able to rely on secondary pieces or, you know, role players to fill in in starting roles and be starters and keep up that level it's just not realistic and that includes players like Preston Kimpembe who for most of his career has been a rotation backup player he plays a lot but he's not the everyday starter he's not Thiago Silva he's not Marquinhos so when you put him out there on a consistent basis and he's not developing in the way that you want him to develop. And this sort of brings me to my second point. There's a lack of player development going on in these league gun matches. For whatever reason, you look at Presnel Kimpembe, who I think right now has to be your biggest culprit. He's just not getting better. He's coming off of an injury that he's been back for about two months so he should be able to get off of that but I think the kind of thing that happened to Levin Kurzawa over the years might be happening to Kimpembe right now we don't really know but his performances are not of the right caliber they're not consistent enough he's not good enough in the air to really play in the box like Thiago Silva, nor does he have the defensive instincts of Marquinhos where he can play outside of the box. He seems to be very limited to one-on-one defending, cutting out passes. That's really about it. And he has not been great this whole year, even before the injury. And we talk about him, and then we look at Leandro Paredes, who in this game, I didn't see, but he cost them the turnover at the end that led to the third goal. Is he good enough to play for Paris Saint-Germain? Probably in a limited role, but I think what's happening now is you're seeing that he's not... He's not Thiago Mata. Like, if he were Thiago Mata, we would have seen the flashes of that by now. 
and he has his moments, but his game is very sedentary. His game is very reliant on sturdy defense in the back or not playing in a league where he has to defend. And he he's not a good defender. He can do some really nice things if he's put in the right environment, but this just is not the right environment for him. He cannot be the captain of a midfield or the sort of metronome in a midfield that includes, you know, Danny Alves and Julian Draxler. Like, that's just not... That's, again, it's not fair to him to put him in that situation and ask him to do those things. A guy like Julian Draxler. He's a good to great player when he's in the right environment, when he has the defensive backing behind him, when he's able to make runs forward, when he's able to float in and out of games, but asking him to be a midfield, stalwart, central midfield player, it's just not going to cut it anymore. And the same thing with Danny Alves. Like, how many times can you trot him out there? Like, he'll play, but you're... I think the more he plays, the less efficient he gets. So we're talking about the injuries. We're talking about this just sort of player development, player stagnation. Maybe I wouldn't even say development. I would say stagnation. And quite frankly, that Champions League loss has taken the sting out of this team. And we're basically in, at the moment, we're basically in preseason anyway. You can look at it that way if you want. If you're keen on keeping Tomas Tuchel or giving him the benefit of the doubt, you can make the argument that this is indeed a preseason at this point. The games don't really matter. They don't, the, the league's won. The Coupe de France is already lost. There's nothing really to play for except to get guys minutes. And maybe they should start playing these games that way as opposed to trotting out teams that you expect to win Maybe you should just put teams out there to to get their academy players some minutes and see what the hell might actually happen. Because at the moment, it really can't get much worse, although it can always get worse. And I, again, I'm starting with sort of the small picture things. And I'm going to start heading to some more big picture sort of thematic elements of PSG over the years. And one of those thematic elements that I'm seeing is that they just don't play no defense. Like, if Thiago Silva's not there, they don't play no defense. It's like he's the he's the teacher, the regular everyday teacher, and when he leaves or goes injured goes out injured or something, they bring in the substitute teacher and everyone goes crazy and no one plays no defense. That that's the that is, from what I could tell today, their transition defense up to one in a game that they should have just sat on and won. When again, when you're not, when you don't have the complement of weapons, when you don't have that solid midfield, pack everything in, hold the two-one lead. At very worst, you leave that game two-two and you move on. What happened today, and what it seemed like what happened, the first that sec from the highlights, that first that goal to make it 2-2, came from PSG selling out offensively, 
Monica, uh, Montpellier play, play a pass out of the back. Kimpembe misreads it, leaves a man in the middle. That ball gets to the guy in the middle, and it's an easy goal. The third goal is because Leandro Paredes was fiddling around with the ball in the box for some reason, and somebody takes it, takes it off of him and scores. Like, those things, for the most part, with major exceptions, but at least in league on for the most part, when Thiago Silva's in there, defensively they're fine. And they're not just scatterbrained all over the place. And it can't be that one player dictates the entire tempo and the entire amount of defense that gets played. And that's what seems to be happening. Thiago Silva has been gone for now two weeks about. Yeah, about yeah, about two weeks now. And they just have not played defense at all in any of those games. Not quality enough. And it's clear at this point, unless some major turnaround happens, Preston Kimpembe is not your center back of the future. So what do you do? Like, these again are all issues, and I'm just trying to lay them all out. We start with the injuries, which are a long-term, short-term thing. It seems like there's more than normal, but that this is a team that always has to deal with major injuries. Players are not developing well enough. They're not developing fast enough. They're not developing at a at a pace or even at a trajectory where you can say, oh, they're going to be at a certain point in two years. It doesn't seem like that at all. Teams like players like Christopher Nkunku are about as good as they're going to get. Kimpembe is about as good as he's going to get. Um, Dagba right now is the only one that's showing that sort of major level potential. You know, good for him, but that that's not enough. Tim Weah was shipped out because he wasn't showing that kind of progression. Same, uh, same kind of thing right now with Musa Diaby. Musa Diaby is hitting that same ceiling although he's 19 he has a couple more years in him to develop but it it becomes almost self-fulfilling in that sense where you have to win the Champions League every year so you have to play these elite squads all the time but you also want to get these younger players up so that you don't have to pay them as much and you don't have to pay transfer fees to have talent on the roster but they're just not developing and pay at at proper pace. <clears throat> and then, let's talk about the coaching. The coaching right now is not good. Tomas Tuchel is not doing a good job. And I saw this coming, kind of, but, I, and I'll, I'll just kind of lay it out. I think he has immense intelligence. I think he has talent, good communication skills with players. But the issue right now with him is that he wants this team to play a certain way. And it seems like only in the Champions League does he adjust himself and play a different style to get a result. It's almost like when you play Montpellier, you shouldn't... Like, does he... not? I think he kind of thinks that, well, it's Montpellier, we've had two days to practice whatever we're just going to send people out there and we're going to we're going to just try to over talent them or out talent them 
as opposed to going, okay, we're up 2-1, we're in the 75th minute, let's buckle down a little bit, maybe throw an extra center back out there, and let's actually go for the result, as opposed to, hey, let's just keep attacking, whatever, it doesn't really matter. And that's where I, I think he's running into these problems. I saw this in the Knot game a couple, a week ago, where he kind of does the same thing. Where it's like, oh, we don't have our players, so you know we're not really going to have a plan or a strategy. We're just going to go out there and play and see what happens. And that kind of stuff is just not going to cut it anymore. League Gun is too good. It's not the league it was three, four years ago. And people think, oh, three, four years ago was the glory years. Yeah, but also... Lee Gun was terrible back then. More, you know, it just wasn't very good. Like, that's the whole Farmers League thing. In 13, 14, 15, Lee Gun was an awful league. Like, it just was. There was just not enough talent there to compete with PSG. And right now, teams like Montpellier, teams like Nantes, teams like Rennes, teams like Bordeaux, they're not elite caliber teams they're not going to go out there and you know go to the finals of a europe europa league or the quarterfinals or even the semifinals but any given day they'll give you a match and when was the last time psg beat montpellier on the road i can't even remember the last time that happened and then for tuchel to go in there with essentially no game plan is not it's not professional and it's just self-defeating and i think that's what's happening a lot right now is there's just this self there's this self-defeating attitude in this sort of lamentation from Tomas Tuchel and i think it seeps into these players too where you go to a game like this and it's like well what's the point well there's a there's professionalism that's the point you play these games because the supporters pay money to go. They want to see the team play hard and succeed. They don't want to go out there and see people fail. They don't want to go out there and, you know, the Ultras don't want to go out there and to Montpellier to watch their team play like that. Fans don't want to come to the Parc des Princes and pay the prices they pay and spend the time that they do to watch a team not give effort or to watch a team or watch more specifically a coach not seem to care or not seem to be professional in these kind of games or to not seem to care like that's that's not good enough and you can say well maybe Thomas Tuchel makes it to the end of the year and PSG get him the players he wants and they correct this which is possible but there are clearly signs that when this team, when he or when he doesn't get the kind of advantageous situation that he feels he deserves, he kind of takes his ball and goes home. We saw it at Dortmund, and now we're seeing it at PSG right now. And it's not it's not manifesting itself in shouting matches with you know the the management, but the guy's clearly not checked in and putting effort into every game, coaching wise. And that kind of brings me to the players. Neymar... To blame all of this on Neymar, like some, you know... And I'll start calling people out by name. People like Jeremy Smith, who call... Who who basically... the The whole thesis is 
Neymar is a cancer that affects everything around him and everything that happens is based basically comes from the fact that Neymar has too much power and that that seeps into the other players and that seeps into the management and that blah 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 and I don't believe that um I don't believe that thesis I think that thesis is wrong I think what you want to say about Neymar right now is the dude wants to win but he clearly sees a situation where the players are not doing the things necessary to win. You know, that dude knows how to win. Like, that guy was around Messi and around Xavi and around Iniesta. That dude knows how to win stuff. Like, he's won pretty much everything except for the for the uh, for the uh, the Copa America and the World Cup. And he's probably going to win the Copa America. And there's a good chance in the next two cycles he'll win the World Cup. So that dude's going to pretty much win everything there is to win. And to say that that guy is the problem is ludicrous. It's insane. And if he gets special privileges, so what? Messi gets special privileges. So does Ronaldo. But they have better teams around them right now. So when they win, they can kind of get away with doing all of that stuff. So it's not about Neymar. Neymar, if he's given the talent, he will be just fine. If he can stay healthy, which is an issue right now... He'll be fine. Same with Kylian Mbappe. That dude knows how to win things. All that guy does is win things. All that guy does is score goals and win things. And you put the players around him, you put him on a team like that France team, perfectly fine. No problems. But you put him with people who are right now are proving to be second-level players, like Presnel Kimpembe, and... Adrian Rabio before he threw his temper tantrum and Danny Alves at the end of his career and Maxim Chupomalting, who's a third tier player, if that, and players who are developing, but are not quite there yet, like Diaby and Dagba and the people that are there who are supposed to be there to be the complimentary stars like Verratti and Silva can't stay on the field. Like, that, it's it's tough. And I keep hearing all of this stuff about how they need to fire everybody. And it's like, well, if they're going to fight... Well, first of all, if they're going to fire anybody, it's going to be Tuchel. Because if this continues, it just it's going to get too embarrassing and his position is not going to be tenable anymore. So, if Tomas Tuchel wants to keep his job, he might want to start showing that he can straighten out the ship here before it just becomes a disaster. And then they have to fire him. And then you're probably stuck with Jose Mourinho, which is a whole nother uh, roll of the dice. But to say like, oh, you know, it's all... And here's the other one I hear, which is Nasser. It's Nasser's fault. It's all Nasser's fault. Like, I think that there are fans of this club that do wish it was 2006 or 7 it's like yeah they weren't very good but at least they gave heart and effort and they you know they respected the badge or whatever the hell that's supposed to mean but they respect the badge and they fought hard and the club had heart and it had atmosphere and it had all this stuff 
And then mean old Nasser and his Arab oil money came in and sucked the heart right out of the club and took it and took it over and, you know, sanitized the whole thing. And yeah, they win more. Yeah, they win a lot of trophies more than pretty much any other team in European football. But what's the fun in that if you can't win the one trophy that apparently is so hard to win that Juventus has gone 20 years without winning it. Atletico Madrid has had shots at the final. They've never won it. Um, Bayern Munich hasn't won it in six years. Um, you know, it's Manchester United hasn't won it since the early since two, the 2000s. Arsenal hasn't won it. Liverpool ha- hasn't won it since 2007. Like, this is not an easy thing to win. And then to say, oh, because they didn't achieve that goal, it's a failure. This is not... Nasser's run has been anything but a failure. Like, this club makes millions and millions of dollars now. That's not nothing. Like, it it, it really does come down to if you want this club to be a major European power or not. And I do think there are people... That would rather it not be a major European power, but have it rather be a provincial club like Nantes or Montpellier, where you sort of enjoy it with your friends, but there isn't sort of the, the bandwagony kind of stuff, and you don't have to worry about plastic fans, whatever that means. There's all that stuff in there, and it's all in the psyche of the club. But Nasser has done some really great things. He also has he also has blind spots at certain times like we all do and he enjoys certain players and he likes you know having that attention around him and that's fine you're the owner of the club you do whatever you want but i think that this club you know if i if we're talking about problems and not any solutions if i may offer a solution or two I do think this club needs to be run by one sort of vision. And right now, it's run by, like, eight visions. And Nasser, I think, has to figure out a way to sort of put the person in charge, whether that be an Arsene Wenger type or give Antero Henrique a a full year to basically do what he wants... Because I think Thomas Tuchel has sort of ceded a bit of his leverage when it comes to transfers and all that stuff. I think, you know, if we're winning one out of six and we, you know, we can't get a team up to, to, to at least show up and play some defense for, you know, for Christ's sake. I, I don't know he, if he's necessarily in a great leveraging position. I just, I, I think that they have to have that unifying vision of what is this? What are we doing? And how does everything we do feed that? Like, club philosophy. And right now, PSG's club philosophy is not exactly existent. It's more based on wishing and hoping and dreaming and all that stuff and ambition, which is good. It's a good place to start. But you have to develop that singular culture that, you know, like it or not, most clubs are defined by most great clubs are defined by so that's at least a solution but again that's a, that's a hard you know that's that's tough to get to
The other thing they have to do, and it is, it is, I think, you know, pretty obvious, is they have to fix their transfer policy, which has just not been good the last few years. You have to get Neymar and you have to get Mbappe because if you're going to grow the club globally and get the kind of commercial, and this is the problem, and I'm just going to back up a little bit. They had to fire Laurent Blanc. They had to. And here's why they had to, because I've heard this nonsense too, where, oh, they win the, they would have won the Champions League by now if they had had Laurent Blanc. No, Laurent Blanc was not a good coach. Laurent Blanc would get you to a quarterfinal, but that's about it. He won out dueling any of these other coaches, and the, quite frankly, the team they had peaked in that 15-16 year, and in that year, they lost to an inferior Manchester City team because Laurent Blanc decided to play a 2-3-5 or, or a 2-5-3 or whatever the hell he played. So they should have fired him. And they should have gotten a coach like a Pep Guardiola or at that or at that time Jose Mourinho and gone for it that way. But they hired Unai Emery, who wasn't ready for that job, and it didn't work. And now they've hired Tomas Tuchel, who the more we go on, seems to be less and less able to do this job than we initially thought. So I don't want to hear about they should have kept Laurent Blanc and just had the same team keep playing because eventually that team was going to peak, and I think that team did peak. And the transfer policy after that, buying players like Tomas Meunier, who's been a really solid player, but I wouldn't call him world class. Um, Grzegor Krakowiak, who lasted like six months. Hatem Ben Arfa, who threw a hissy fit and, and got on Nasser's bad side and was never quite as good as he thought he was. Um, Jesse Rodriguez, who's been in lone hell for the last three years. Giovanni Lachelso, who's a really good player, but he didn't really fit the club. Um, Yuri Berchiche, again, solid squad player, but in the transfer from Emery to Tuchel was unnecessary. You know, they haven't hit, besides Neymar and Mbappe, they have yet to really hit on that great transfer player. Juan Bernat is probably one of the best transfers PSG have made in the last three years, based off of talent and based off of the value that they paid for him. But, like, Leandro Paredes, it seems like $45 million was quite the overpay. Desperate, I know. They kind of had to do it, I know. But it, it does seem to have been an overpay. Whether he turns into a good rotational player or not. So there's a lot of that squad issue going on because the transfer windows have been bad and because Antero Henrique, based off of the financial fair play scam, has had to sell a lot of their squad depth. Lucas Mora, Yuri... Um, you know, the, 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 the whole spiel. So they don't have as many good players on the bench as they used to. And their depth is low. And they got a lot of injuries. And they've had to play a lot of their fringe rotational players. And it's looked like crap. So, again, I can't, like... I, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of things. It really is. It's not just one thing. It's a, it's a whole factor of things. And I think that, in the end, 
do you fire Tomas Tuchel and say, screw it, we'll take the risk with Jose? That's a, it's a theory. And the theory of the case would be Tuchel's just not the kind of coach right now that can go into the Champions League and win them games. And, you know, Jose Mourinho, despite what he's done, despite all the terrible things he's done over the last five years, the guy wins in Champions League. The dude took Manchester United, won a Europa League, and has at least shown that he can put coherent strategy on the field in Champions League matches, whether you agree with that strategy or not. And it seems like Tomas Tuchel might be just another young, exciting coach that got in over his head. I don't know if we're at that point yet. I think there's still... I would give him the beginning of next year to straighten the thing out. And if he can't get it by September or October, you fire him. And you bring someone in to caretake for a little bit. And you see where you go. Because next year is going to be the critical year. Like, you know, I, I saw Lee... One of our contributors, Lee Davey, on Twitter say the project is dying. And I think revenue-wise, that's... To say that the project is dying is laughable because... Revenue-wise, it certainly is not dying. Um, there are still a lot of talented players that want to come play for this club. But if next year they continue along this path, you can probably start saying that, yeah, it might be dying. But we're not there yet. We're not close to that. And let's be honest, these ga- most of these games have been meaningless. The, the Coupe de France sure as hell wasn't. But most of these games have been about meaningless. So... This isn't, you know, this isn't a bad stretch in January and February when you're fighting for the league or fighting for the Champions League. They're basically in garbage time. So let's not read too much into the form, but do understand that there are major issues that this team has to figure out. And now that I've sort of ranted for about 35 minutes, um, when this gets tweeted out, just underneath... in a reasonable, respectful, and uh, honest way, say what you think can be done. Because we can talk about the problems all we want. For the last 25, 30 minutes, I've talked about the problems. What are reasonable solutions? And no, firing Nasser is not a reasonable solution, because that just is not going to happen. And to explain to you why that's not going to happen, I'm going to remind you of something. PSG is owned by the Emir of Qatar. He's the head of Qatari Sports Investment. He's the one that puts the money in. He has uh, entrusted his longtime friend from tennis. Nasser was a tennis pro in Qatar, and one of his best friends is the Emir of Qatar. He ain't going anywhere. And quite frankly, maybe I'm the minority here, I don't think he should go anywhere. I I think he's done a good enough job. The people he's hired maybe haven't done the best of jobs, but the dude has been doing a really good job getting this club and making this club money, which is his job. Nasir's job is not to put out winning football. Nasir's job is to make the club money. It's the general manager, the sporting director... And the coach's job to win football games. Nasir's job is not to win football games. It's to make money. And I'll say that again. That's his job. And he's doing a damn fine job of that. 
but is also his job is to put people in place that'll help them win games. And right now, that's where the issue is happening, it seems like. But as I said, think of solutions, reasonable solutions. No cursing, no yelling, no screaming, no hot takes. Just what could they really do? Like, reasonable things. Fixing the medical department. Figuring out ways to keep players on the field. Maybe Tomas Tuchel needs to hire a coach that helps them learn defense. Because apparently right now Tomas Tuchel is having a tough time coaching defense and set pieces. Or possession in their own half. They're, PSG right now are bad at possession in their own half. And again, I can keep going on and on about this. But again, reasonable solutions. And that's what we're looking for right now. Not hyperbole. Not nonsense. Not skies falling BS. Actual solutions. So you know where to find me. I'm at Mark Damon one I may not answer all of you, but I'll answer the good ones. Um, and make sure to follow PSG Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our podcasts. And again, this isn't really a formal small talk. It's just more of a stream of conscience. I hope it hasn't been too long and obnoxious. I hope I've... Uh, I hope I've been enlightening. I hope I've been able to lay some stuff out for you guys. So, um, yeah, uh, this has been Mark Damon saying au revoir for now.